Good morning, church. Uh, Today I'll be reading from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you've got your Bibles, please open up the the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10. I'll say it again, it's been a week, hadn't it? I was driving home from Friday, and the lunch here that we had held for the Stork family, and my heart was hurting, but I was also smiling. Hurting because of the numbing loss of Gary and Peggy, but smiling because of the light that you were to this community in such a very, very dark time in the life of our church. As we gathered in this room last week to talk about our next steps as a family after learning of their tragic death, I asked you to serve as priests, reminded you that uh, 1 Peter calls us to that task, not just vocational ministers, but every single one of us who have experienced this love that we just sang about, who have been ransomed by Jesus Christ, Peter tries to remind his church, like I I wanted to, to remind us, that we're all priests. We're all needed intercessors of God's incredible grace into the midst of hurting, no matter wherever we find it. And I didn't know where you were going to come in contact with it. I didn't know whether you were going to come in contact with hurting people or angry people, devastated people, confused people. But I ask you to join the staff as administrators of grace, and you said yes And you did more than just simply say yes to that. You showed it in so many ways. You counseled, you cooked, you cleaned, you stepped in to teach. You organized, you made copies, you answered phones, you prayed, you took care of dogs. You spoke, you hugged, you cried. You encouraged, you ushered, and you sang. And those are just a few of the things that I know that you were light in in a very, very dark time in the life of our church. But because Greg and I are pretty easy to spot, we often receive the thanks for all of that loving and for all of that light. But we want you to know, and those of us who are on staff who have been told by so many people, thank you for all that this week has meant. We want you to know, we said, no, thank this church family. We accept that grace at Thanksgiving on behalf of our church family. But it really was our God who's enabled us to do any of this at all for his glory. And I say this because you don't need my my appreciation. You don't need my, my applause or my appreciation. You don't need my admiration. You don't need any of that. But I do want you to know sincerely from the bottom of my heart you have it. It's an honor to get to serve with you. Usually at this time in our Lesson, I'll stop and I'll ask us to pray. I'm going to do that. And we'll lift up another church, another faith family in our community who's trying to be Jesus wherever God's called them. But this week, we have been the focus of many of those churches' prayers. I received email after email after email from many in those churches saying, please know that your family's being lifted up. And we're with you as much as we can be. So this morning I want to invite you to give thanks for that family like like I know that you would want to. Let's pray. Father, 
you said that if we would bear one another's burdens, we would, we would fulfill the law of Christ. And we've seen that happen this week. Churches that we normally pray for here from this place um, have been praying for us and lifting us up. Doing their best to make sure that we um, were covered in the name of Jesus Christ for the purpose of Jesus Christ. To bring grace to what often is a very graceless world. And so we ask, wherever those families are meeting today, would you please also bless them as they continue this mission of bringing Christ to earth. We welcome you to use us as the beachhead for that. Please reincarnate yourself in us again. Come be Emmanuel in us. We know that we cannot even begin to do the things that you need for us to do. So we invite you, come do them in us and through us. Thank you for being the good shepherd that you were this week. We ask us humbly in Jesus' name and everyone said. Gail and I were laying in bed on Saturday morning, both of us feeling like we'd just been run over by a truck. Neither one of us wanting to get out of bed. And she said to me, it feels like a thief has broken into our home again. Kind of curious, who in here has had a thief break into their home? Raise your hand. Wow. I've been cussed, I've been punched, I have been shot at, I've been run over by a car. But none of that compares, I promise you, to the violation that I felt. When Gail and I experienced our home being broken into. Not once, but twice in a period of two weeks. I've already shared that incident with you before, so I have no intention of repeating the events of those break-ins. Just the emotions that were attached to the events. We felt vulnerable, and we felt exposed. We felt unprotected. We felt defenseless. And not all of that was true. But we still felt it. Yes, it was true. We were vulnerable, and yes, we were exposed, but we weren't unprotected. We weren't defenseless, because the problem that left our house unsecure was our problem. A window down in the basement was stuck. We hadn't taken the time to get it fixed. It was closed tightly, but it was not locked. And thieves simply took advantage of that access that we made available. We had not installed the lock on the door from the basement leading up into our house, and so that was cheesecake. Giving anybody access to our home who made it into that basement. The situation was very, very correctable. But emotionally... Very, very challenging for us for a while. We felt vulnerable and exposed and unprotected and defenseless, even if some of those things weren't true. And what surprised us is how angry we felt that this could happen to us. Those thieves took from us some things that are irreplaceable as far as material things in our lives. We can't get back my grandfather's shotgun. We can't get back my daughter's purity rings, both that were patterned after my wife's promise ring, which was also stolen. We were heartbroken. We lost some of those things that will never be able to be replaced. The thieves were actually captured, you may remember, but what was valuable to us was never returned. 
this week, all of those feelings came back. Last Saturday night, when the thief of all thieves, Satan, had his hand in some people being taken from us that are irreplaceable, we just felt robbed. Peter called this thief a roaring lion in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. A lion that comes to devour people for food. Jesus called him the father of lies in John chapter 8 and verse 44. Paul referred to him as one of the invisible dark powers of this world that is every day scheming, planning on how they can take us out. But the moniker I think that most resonates with me is the one that Jesus gave him in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Where Jesus calls him a thief. A thief who's looking to steal things, particularly people. And to kill things, particularly people. And destroy things, particularly people. I felt like he robbed us this week. But regardless of what you call him, I want to remind you this week, his aim is never, ever to help. His aim is never, ever to heal. It's only to harm and to hurt. That's all that he does. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Those are Jesus' descriptors, not mine. But I felt like I've been robbed this week. The person or persons responsible for the shootings and the stork killings, as of today, is still unclear. Whether the one holding the gun came from the inside of the marriage or outside of that marriage, we don't know clearly yet. But we do know for sure that the father of lies was speaking into the shooter's mind. I promise you that. The father of lies was speaking into whoever pulled the trigger. In their mind and their heart. And they were lies. Here's the lie. This is the only option. That's a lie. When it comes to killing another human being. It is always a lie. That is not the only option. There was a thief in the stork's home and he came minimally to steal the truth and the life out of two people that we love. Whether it was homicide or suicide really doesn't matter. The lies filled that home with no other choice actions. And because they were believed, it led to a disaster that we will be recovering from for some time. You need to be prepared for that. Because when a thief breaks into your home, even if you didn't raise your hand a few moments ago, you've had a thief break into your life and steal something very, very precious to you, if you know the storks at all. And it will take some time to recover from that. But just as that break-in for the sportsmen's was preventable... Hear me clearly. This was preventable. This was correctable. But we can all relate to this on some level. 
We have some inkling of what happened in the historic home that night because of what happens to us almost every day. We're aware of what God has taught us. Heavenly days, we, we know the scripture, we know the basics, don't we? We've got the ten down, mostly. We know what his expectations are in regards to walking in his ways, mostly. That's not the problem, knowing what God wants us to do. The problem is doing it. You know what Paul says in Romans chapter 7? This thing before me that I know is the right way is not the way that I choose. I tend to want to go this way. And he describes that incredible battle that most of us struggle with every single day. We've heard the thief's lies before. As a matter of fact, when faced with telling the truth or a lie, some of us maybe this week sees the... um, the opportunity that this thief always gives us, that this liar always gives us. Come on, this is a painless free option here. This is an embarrassment free option. Just tell a lie, all right? Don't tell the truth. That's, that's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be humiliating. It's going to be costly. No, here, help yourself to a lie. And some of us took it. Some of us believed him again. That a lie could ever be the way is just a lie. And maybe you've experienced it. If you haven't, you, you eventually will if you keep telling him. Because God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And if you keep sowing lies, here's what's going to happen. The darkness, the father of lies, is going to gain more and more of a foothold in your life. And he will expose you when it helps him the most and destroys you the quickest. Or maybe you had the option to walk away from the computer screen or navigate at least to another part of the site to keep your integrity, to keep your honor intact as a male or a female, but instead you looked at the porn because it was easy in the moment. It was one click away and you heard the lie of the evil one. Listen, you'll enjoy the buzz. Nobody will know. It won't matter. Help yourself for just a moment. And you did. And the guilt came and the shame came, but maybe this time something else came. Maybe the exposure came and your wife found out or your boyfriend found out or your principal found out that you work for or your boss found out. However it happened, death came and destruction came. That usually comes on Satan's terms, not yours. He's a liar. And he's a thief. And he is always looking for some other person to take down. Maybe you had the God option of keeping your mouth shut. You were encouraged to. To to keep the the theories to a a minimum and and the prayers to a maximum. But maybe you just couldn't help yourself and you, you had to dive in. I mean, talking about and trying to figure something, I understand, but... But then it turned, it changed, and you could feel it. You could feel the check in your spirit when, when God was trying to say, you're going a little bit too far here. This is moving into judgment. You didn't listen. You took Satan's option, and you went there, and you said some things, and were, they've, been, they've been spread, and, and, and you feel guilty about it. You're sorry for saying it, but you said it because it was easy at the moment. It seemed like the right thing to do at the moment, even when you knew it was wrong. 
Every single one of us has had this liar and this thief speak into our minds. And we went what felt like our way, but really was his way instead of going God's way. Every one of us knows that feeling. And we always know the devastation and the destruction that comes with it. Because the truth is, listening to the father of lies on any level is always just that devastating and destruction to somebody. Maybe not to us in the moment. I got to tell you honestly, after years of listening to Satan's lies myself, after going my way instead of God's way myself, you just can't predict which of those lies is going to cost you greatly. You just can't. You can't tell which one of those is going to cost you the job or the friendship or the marriage or maybe your life. You just can't. And so that's why on this side of it, you've got guys like me and women teachers like Renee and and others in this church who are trying to say, please, take his yoke upon you and learn from him. His way is much easier. It's much more burden-less. I know it's difficult at times. A cross is always, is always difficult. A cross is always going to be a challenge. But I'm telling you, it's easier than this broad, wide road that leads to destruction, Matthew 7 says. Compare the two, that's cheesecake. Let me say on behalf of God clearly the truth. Thou shalt not kill anybody. Yeah, but Jimmy, no, listen to me. It's one of the big ten. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, but they're dying of cancer and thou shalt not kill. But this is a pregnancy that I, I don't know what thou shalt not kill. But I am just furious. Thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, I have words of life. Do yourself a favor and indulge in them. The words that I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life, yet there are some of you who don't believe them. There always will be. But blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Please believe those words. Please. The Scripture records for us over and over again, though people who don't, People who have the chance to believe that the best life possible is following God's way, but instead they choose another way. They go their own way. They listen to the dark voice who's suggesting that they should. I want to remind you of two this morning that came in a similar way to the tragedy that's come to us this week has come. They both came at a time when, like our church, These groups of people had been experiencing the obvious hand of God in their lives. And we've been experiencing that, haven't we? We've been experiencing, I think, the obvious hand of God. Missions across the globe that are helping Muslims come to know Christ. God's using us to do that. 
Adults and children, we've got one this, this morning going to give their life to Christ. They've been coming. The gospel has been touching their heart, and they've been saying, yes, count me in. I want in on that extraordinary relationship. I'm one of the ordinary people. Lead me in, all right? Let's go. Our church has been joining with other churches in stadiums, in work projects. On the 21st of September, we had over 300 people on a Wednesday night. Gather right here in this auditorium to worship and to pray. But above all, here's the shocker, to repent. To repent about griping about the lack of leadership in the White House and owning the lack of leadership in the church, the church house. On a Wednesday night. We have more partnerships now with ministries that have their boots on the ground trying to bless and help people than ever before in the history of this church. Satan could not stand still for that. Do you understand how war works? When, the, when one side advances, the other has to counter. You throw a punch this way and someone's got to counter back. He had to counter and he did. Satan cannot allow the advance of his kingdom like that without a major attack. And he came last Friday night. The nation of Israel understands what this is like. After 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness, their faith was ready to finally move into the promised land. Doubters had finally died out. Finally they were gone. And so you had this major group of believers, this new generation of believers, taking hold of all that God had promised. And man, they were ready to move into it. Move into it. And so by faith in God, they went through the Jordan. By faith in God, they conquered Jericho. By faith in God, they rescued Rahab. They were a force to be reckoned with. Every newspaper headline had Israel's name in it. Every news station had Joshua's face, their leader, on it. And all the inhabitants of a land called Canaan heard of the great things that were going on and that Jehovah was doing in this small nation of people called Israel. And Joshua says in chapter 6 and verse 27, the Lord was with him and the fame of his mighty God was spreading all throughout the country. It looked like they were going to run the table. AI was next in its sights. Just a small, small town, not a large, nothing the size of Jericho for sure. And so Joshua just sends one division of of soldiers to go handle them. The rest of us, well, you can handle this. But the AIs put no small hurting on the nation of Israel, on this unsuspecting nation of Israel. And they sent them back home running for their lives, but not before 36 men lost their lives. When the army returned with their tails between their legs, officers of the army made house calls like the one that Don and Gail and I made last Saturday night. The families of 36 men said, this can't be happening. There's no way that God would allow this, but he did allow this. God had made it clear when Jericho was to be taken that nobody was to remove anything from that site that they were about to conquer. Not one earring, not one coin, not one piece of anything was to leave those grounds, those sacred holy grounds. They were to go in and conquer and they were to leave. They would not become scavengers, God insisted. He was the provider. He would take care of them. But many of you remember a guy by the name of Achan. He didn't honor God's desires. He didn't listen to his word. He didn't trust his way was the best way. 
And when the city was conquered, everybody saw all the treasures. And there was, there was treasure galore in Jericho. But Achan was the only one who took any. A beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 pieces of silver and a gold bar. And he hid them under his tent. But he did more than hide his goods. He hid his distrust of God. Nobody saw it. Nobody knew. And that decision to go his own way and to take matters into his own hands would eventually lead to the loss of his life and his entire family's life along with 36 other men. Because one man refused to trust God. Decided to go his way instead of God's way. It's been a long time since I thought of those 36 men, but I've got to tell you this week, it just came flooding back in. Because of another family member's decision not to trust God. Family members I was close to. And I felt robbed. And I felt stunned. And I felt angry. How could you let this happen, God? How could this go on? I did not think of these men and their families till this week. But here's the grace and mercy of our Father. Please hear this, church. God gave us these stories to help His people understand the importance of what it, of what it takes to walk through a war zone. The allegiance that it must require for you and I to survive in a war zone. And I know you forget it. And I, I, it pains me sometimes to remind you of it. But do you realize this morning you woke up to a war? You were birthed into a war. You woke up to a war. And Paul tries his best to remind us in Ephesians 6, you've got to put your armor on every single day because you're going to engage an enemy every single day. You cannot for a moment put it off. You cannot for a moment think you have what it takes to stand against this enemy. He will kill you in a moment. You do not know which rebellious choice is going to lead to the loss of your life or your family's life or someone around you that you care desperately about. You just don't. That's why God says don't take matters into your own hands. Stay in mine, okay? Stay in my hands and I'll lead you where you need to go. You don't have to Guess at what Achan was probably thinking. Come on, on a soldier's pay, what could this hurt? This could only help, right? I mean, there's, got, there's the kid's college fund. I mean, there's our retirement, right? I mean, we're not talking about a lot of stuff here. It'll even fit my own cloak. Surely after all of our efforts to take this great city, God, God wouldn't mind a little bit, right? Wrong. Wrong. Anything was a mistrust that he would provide. And the thought that you could do it yourself. Now I've got right here in big stars on my notes to ask a question. When that happened with Achan, when his entire family is stoned in front of the nation of Israel to show what mistrust of God can lead to, can you imagine for a moment the holy fear that broke out among those people? We need to be careful. 
Can, can you imagine the thoughts that were talked about at dinner time after moving away from that event? Surely you can imagine because you've experienced that kind of holy fear this week. Of course, maybe I'm just the only twisted one in the room who's been a little bit more nervous about this giant God that I serve who's so big and he's so mighty. He is not, he is not some dink idol. He's not some manufacturer of our lives. He is the almighty, omnipotent God. And the scripture says it is a dangerous thing to fall into his hands when he's filled with wrath. And I forget that sometimes because I'm a preacher of grace. And I forget to remind you of it because I I talk a lot about grace. You say, well, Jimmy, does, does mistrust have to lead to death? It does every single time. That's just it. It does every single time. The wages of sin is death. Every single time. Something dies. Something's destroyed. Even if you don't recognize it in the moment, do you realize that's why Jesus had to come? Because the payment for that mistrust is so high. It's so high. That it cost God his only son to pay for it in a place that's that awful, the cross. And he never wants us to lose sight of that. The price that it costs for our mistrust is so high. The, the danger of the death that comes is so high. Don't go there. And I, and I just want to tell you not to go there. I'm going to move inside you if you'll let me. If you'll die to self and allow me to move in, I'll help you be everything that I've called you to be. How's that sound? I'll help you if you want to have faith in me and walk my ways. But some don't want to believe. New Testament example of this is Ananias and Sapphira. The church was on a roll. (laughs) I mean like the nation of Israel, like the church of Christ at Kerrville. It was on a roll. Peter had just preached his sermon. Thousands are coming to Christ. I mean, just like when Jesus was alive, demons are being cast out. Miracles are being done. Uh, One night they get together to pray, on a Wednesday night probably, and the Holy Spirit shook that place. I'm telling you, it's rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling so much so that the Scripture says that the church shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. Can you imagine that? Not anybody in the church had any need. From time to time, those who owned land or houses, they even sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anybody who had need. I mean, grace was flowing. It was moving. It was an incredible time of the church. And there was a couple one night when they were at meeting. A guy by the name of Bartimus comes up, and he says, I've got this field that I've sold, and, and I'd like to give the money from it to the church. And, and the church, you could just see in their eyes, were just so proud of him, so full of admiration for him that... That I don't know whether it was Ananias or Sapphira, but they raised their hands and said, We've got a field we'll sell, and we'll give all of the proceeds from it to the church, we promise. Oh, wow, we, we expect that coming from Ananias and Sapphira. We just do. I mean, they're good people. And then the check came from the realtor after the field was sold, and God moved. God sold it in less than four days. 
But then the check came, and it was so much more than they thought they were ever going to get that they kept back some of it. And yet they took that amount of money that they had, and they brought it to the apostles and says, everything that we got for the land, we want to give to the church. Man, that's, that's just a little deal, isn't it? I mean, that's just a little exaggeration, isn't it? It wasn't a thug. It wasn't a band of robbers. It was God who struck Ananias first and then his wife Sapphira next, dead because of that decision. Really, God? Really? (laughs) We're talking a little exaggeration here. We're talking a little bit of smoke and mirrors here, putting on more than what we really are. Dead. And the scripture says, fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. No, I left out a word. Great fear seized the church and all who heard about these events. And you know what? I go, me too. I know what that feels like. You know, I'm not quite sure that I ever really connected with that scripture till this week. Maybe you too. Does not trusting God have to come at that kind of a price? And God says, yes. Because the outcome is clear. The outcome is death. Every time that I sin. But the free gift of God, by His grace, is eternal life. Greg did a masterful job of this at the funeral on Friday. Here's where sin occurs, but here's where grace abounds, Romans chapter 5 says. It's always bigger than my sin, always. But even though that God heals that, covers that, provides for that, He does not remove from us the consequences of our actions. The liver from someone who has been addicted to alcohol for years and years and years, He doesn't sometimes heal. The the, the trust that's been broken because of looking at porn doesn't come back very quickly. Sometimes not at all. The the income that we once enjoyed because of, of the way we were earning money is not restored because it's been gambled away and no one will trust us with a job anymore. There's a felony indictment because we've embezzled. Some of those consequences don't come back. And I wouldn't be a brother to you. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be a minister for you if I didn't come to remind you, church, every time we mistrust Him, misfortune comes. Every time. And that's why the price to save you was so high. So here's two things I'm going to leave you with, and we're done. First, choose to live by God's way, not your own. Please. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. Let me say that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. Well, here's what I think we should do. Well, is God's way clear on that? Then go His way. Trust Him with all your heart. In all your ways you submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Always. Choose to live by God's ways and not your own. There are some matters that were taken into the stork's hands a week ago. That if they could change now, I promise you they would. They're in the presence of Christ. 
To be absent from the body if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord is to be present with Christ because neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything in all of creation can separate a believer in Christ from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's his word, not mine. I don't have to make that up. I know they're with Christ. I've seen the food of their tree, but they made a last decision that was a stinky one. They made some choices in the last days that were stinky and hurtful because death always comes with sin. So please, choose to live by God's ways and not your own. And here's the last one. Refuse to let the Grinch steal your Christmas. We needed to smile, didn't we? We needed to process some stuff first and then we are going to move on to smiles next week. I promise you. Do you remember where this comes in the Grinch stole Christmas? It comes just after he took every present, pop guns and bicycles, roller skates and drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn and plums. He stuffed them in bags one by one. He took the Who's Feast. He took the Who Pudding. He took the Roast Beast. He cleaned out the ice box as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took the last can of Who Hash. Look at the smile on his face. He's loving it. Thieves love it when they break in and steal things that are other people's that they didn't have to work for or strive for. They love that kind of stuff, and he loved it when he went down to the Whoville and he stole their Christmas. At least he thought he did. And I want you to know that there was a thief this last week who was smiling when he stole Peggy and Gary from us. When he at least influenced and enhanced decisions that were made that took them from us. Again, whether it was from inside the marriage or outside the marriage, it doesn't matter. They're gone. And the tsunami, not the ripple, the tsunami that's ensued from that earthquake in the life of this church and this community is going to ripple for a while and consume for a while. And I want to warn you, there is somebody up there who's smiling about this. And he's a stinker. And he's a thief. And he is a liar. And he came to steal Christmas. Please don't let him. Poo-poo the who's, he was grinchly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up and I know just what they're going to do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. And then the who's down in Whoville will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise that I grin the Grinch simply must hear. So the Grinch paused and he put his hand to his ear. That's where that picture comes from. Waiting to listen for the boo-hoo. In Whoville. And I want you to know this week that there was a thief who also had his hand to his ear. And he was waiting to listen for the boo-hoo in Whoville. And you know what? He heard it. But he didn't steal Christmas. I thought that would get a lot more amens than that. He didn't steal Christmas. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low and then it started to grow. Vahudore, vahudore, welcome Christmas, come this way. 
Vahu Dore, Vahu Dore, welcome Christmas, Christmas Day. This sound wasn't sad. This sound sounded glad. Everyone who was in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow it just came. And I have to believe Friday morning, somewhere around 10.30-ish, 10.45-ish, with that stinker looking down, the boo-hoo stopped. And a sound started that was kind of low, but then it started to grow. When peace like a river attendeth my way. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew till we were shouting almost, It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. You know what happened with the nation of Israel? After that holy fear racked that nation. They moved on into the promised land. You know what happened when Ananias and Sapphira were taken? And that holy fear gripped that church? Here's what the scripture says. The apostles performed many signs after that. Wonders among the people. And more and more men and women believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. It moved on to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. It moved on because it was well. It was well with their soul. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. Would you mind standing, please? We're not going to sing Vahu Dori. Don't worry, all right? I know some of you are thinking, we know sportsmen. Is he going to do that? No, but we are going to sing Amazing Grace to Vahu Dori. No, we're not going to do that. We are going to sing. And it may start out low, but I'm hoping that it will grow. You know this song. You can sing it probably without the words, but we're going to sing it together this morning. Grab a hand. Reach across the aisle. We are going to do that. Fill this aisle, would you please? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, and when I think that Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. The 
today and we pray with all of our hearts that we just ruin this thief's day that what he has tried to stop and stall we will keep our eyes fixed on you we will trust in you we repent of the ways in which we have chosen to go our own way we will follow you god we will be the light into the world that you've called us to be we cannot be that on our own but we trust that you in us is better than us alone. Please come work through us. Be the beachhead for your righteousness and your power and your strength and your joy. We want to bring life into this world, God. Thank you so very much for leading us this week. You, it has been an honor to follow behind you. And Father, right now I just pray that if you've brought people here today who want to put on Jesus Christ and become a part of this movement, be a part of this way that started thousands of years ago, would you please touch your hearts and bring them here? Those who need prayer, Father, more so than maybe just a, a hold of a hand and a song sung, would you please take them to the back and to the front as we sing this very last song. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And the church said,